Today on on site, I'm really happy to have Anthony Flanagan on the show. Um, Anthony's the CEO of Boulevard Properties LLC. Boulevard Properties is an international real estate company, and they're focused on establishing strategic partnerships with companies who share their interests in developments of large-scale mixed-use projects. 20 years ago, Boulevard pioneered a large-scale integrated-use property with the development of Santana Row District in San Jose, in Silicon Valley. Uh, they were pioneers and innovators in that space. Santana Row um, was the first large-scale vertically integrated district in North America, and they collaborate as partners or advisors in North America and other markets throughout the world, including China, Russia, and the Middle East. Anthony, thanks so much for joining me on on site. You're welcome. Thank you. It's uh, nice to be on your program. Was there anything I missed out in my long-winded intro? Because there's a lot to discuss about Boulevard. Um, no, I think I think that's right. Um, I think the only thing it's actually I was the chief development officer for Federal Realty Investment Trust when we did Santana Row. So I actually was working for them, and I set up the the West Coast headquarters and and led the Santana Row work, and then subsequently uh, set up the Boulevard Properties Company in uh, 2006. Right. So before that, you were with Lennar for 14 years, uh, right? Oh, actually, how long were you with Lennar, which is you know one of the largest home builders in the United States? Yeah. No, actually, I was with Federal Realty for a number of years, setting up the West Coast. Uh, work here and and particularly focused on uh, kind of a, a beachhead project, which is Santana Row, which is an amazing. It was the signature project for the company. And then after that, took on a position uh, as president for for Lennar when they wanted to actually set up an urban practice, uh, which is completely different than their their typical home building focus. And um, I saw that as uh, as an interesting opportunity to uh, kind of continue the work that we did on Santana Row, which is this kind of large-scale integrated use development. At the time, they had several r- really amazing projects, uh, tra- uh, Treasure Island, uh, which is a 500-acre property and, and uh, part of the city limits of San Francisco, uh, as well as uh, Hunter's Point. I think it was later, later it's re- renamed the Shipyard. And then while I was there, we competed and and got the Candlestick site, which is the uh, the home of the 49ers back then, uh, national football team. Uh, and we competed to take the development rights for for their 300 acre property, which is adjacent to the the shipyard. Wow, these are all huge projects. I mean, these are all each project in its own right is kind of like a career project. You've done a, a number of them. What is going into a pitch for like Candlestick or Treasure Island? What does that look like? How do you prepare for something like that? I think in a way we had an advantage. We already had control uh, and development rights for Hunter's Point, the shipyard. And uh, and the Candlestick property was just adjacent to it. You know, it wasn't possible for anybody else to have that kind of advantage. And there were some other people who were competing. But I think it was pretty compelling that... With the Candlestick Project, we could combine those two and make really a tremendous new community for the city of San Francisco. It was um, almost 800 acres in, in total size between those two projects. So that was pretty compelling. That's a huge responsibility. I mean, you're 
you're forming not like a building, you're film, forming like a, a city within a city. And, you know, as you said, it's a community. How do you know what the community is going to need? How do you have the vision? You know, how do you make decisions? Where do you get started? You know, I think it's important to remember that virtually all the work that I've done since the late 1990s has been really focused on the concept that we developed at Santana Row, which was really the the first one of the really was a truly unprecedented project here in the United States. And it really served as a a laboratory. So tell me a little bit more like what like what is what does that mean? If you could dig a little bit deeper, why was it unprecedented? What did you guys do there? You know, Federal Realty Investment Trust is an East Coast company. Uh, They've been around a long time, since the 1960s, I believe, at the time headed by Steve Gutman, who um, is a wonderful person. Now he's retired, um, but he turned out to be my my mentor at the time. But they needed to set up a West Coast headquarters. They wanted to have a bigger presence on the West Coast. Um, And they had recently acquired a large piece of property in uh, Silicon Valley. He had been, at the time, thinking a lot about the concept of integrated use, creating kind of an experience, um, an integrated experience, and an uh, integrated uh, development model where you bring in different types of uses and and find the synergy of those uses to create a more interesting and more contemporary model for living. But it was at a, very much at a concept stage then. And actually, Federal Realty Investment Trust hadn't done it yet. They were playing around with that model on the East Coast, but they hadn't really brought it all together. And so Steve wanted to do the same out here. So he brought me on to lead the organization. I was employee number one. I, I had to actually put the program, the organization together, uh, which didn't exist, and then uh, a strategic plan and, and then execute that plan with a team, a team of experts, but of which none of them had the expertise of doing this kind of integrated experience-based kind of development. Mm-hmm. So I knew from the beginning that I couldn't approach this kind of development in the same way as you would typically approach development, that because of the newness of the project, of the kind of the product that we were doing, I really need to create an environment where there was a lot more discovery. It was a lot more vision focused. And there was a lot of questioning. There was a lot of dialogue amongst the the team of people. And and keep in mind that an, a large project like this takes a village of people. And we had thousands of people involved in this project in probably four or five different countries. It takes um, a village to build a village. Absolutely does. It sounds like you're describing like the, the use of retail, commercial, residential, all coming together in one master plan. Is that that's correct? Yes. Is that the concept? Um, so what, what was yeah. so new? Like, is what you're describing there is kind of like an inner, like an urban environment. Like all major right. cities so, kind of have those elements living in harmony together. So talk a little bit about Santana Road. Was it just open land and there was nothing there? And then you decided to integrate all of these elements together? Is that what was so unique about it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, it's in Silicon Valley. It's 18 blocks is what it, it ended up being. So it's like a, a district. And... You know, in a way, it's not a new idea. 
But I think what's happened, if you look at kind of um, history uh, since the 1950s, we've created a, a set of zoning laws in our cities that have been segregating uses now for 70 years. And although if you look further back, you can see a more integrated living environment in urban places, that's been lost for a long time. And so in a way, we were trying to reimagine in more of a contemporary way how to bring all these different uses together of retail, of residential, of uh, hospitality, entertainment, parks, all of these things, bring them together in the way that we're integrated, truly integrated, and that where you kind of create this synergy between them. And so I think that was really the challenge was this kind of discovery of how to do that. Um, right. And so at that time, it was, the, remember, this is the 1990s. Now, I think the concept of mixed use is uh, readily discussed. And there are lots of organizations who are doing this. And um, it has really taken hold in the industry as a, an important um, kind of new product type for communities. But back then, it was really unheard of. And so, you know, we spent a lot of time in that process really trying to think, what does it mean to do an integrated project? As Steve said, he said, well, I want to build the greatest street in America. That's what he said. Right. And, and but that was it. So how, you know, we're living in the midst of a pandemic, you know, the, you read the news now and every headline is, oh, you know, people are fleeing the cities. People don't want to work in offices anymore. No one's going to go back to work. Uh, everyone's going to the suburbs. People want to be isolated. They want their privacy. It's kind of almost the exact opposite of what Jane Jacobs, you know, wrote about and what we studied and learned about urban communities. Uh, what are your thoughts on that and how do you think this has affected communities of the future and master plan developments, will you guys be looking at doing things differently or do you think this is something that's just going to pass and we're going to get back to business as usual? That's certainly something I've been thinking about almost daily here for the last three months. Uh, what does all this mean for the future? And really, I'm not sure. I don't know if anybody really knows, but I, think, I appreciate I appreciate your honesty, by the way. Yeah, I think that regardless if this is, goes on for another 90 days or six months or a year, eventually it will pass. My sense is I don't think 90 days or 180 days or a year of, you know, focus isolation, shelter in place kinds of policies structured around a unique situation is going to erase not only what it means to live in a city, but nor erase really what is a growing trend. And that is that cities fundamentally are about bringing people together and that more than ever, uh, people are have a desire for expression, for cultural connection, for social inter interaction. Um, there are many things that are happening today that uh, largely because of the millennials, you know, there's a huge urban migration, Technology has been a huge impact on cities and the way pe people's expectations of where they go and what they do. All of those things have been hugely 
changed because of, uh, of the dynamics of technology and, and urban migration. I just don't think those things go away. Right, but let's discuss, you know, a trend we've seen over the past at least five years. You know, one of the elements and components of urbanization and these communities that you've created and that we see around us now is the retail element. And, you know, with uh, Amazon, big box merchandise uh, retailers going out of business, you know, a lot of people declaring bankruptcy, it's almost impossible for a small business to operate a retail now because of the overhead and, you know, the fact that everyone is shopping online. A third of retail spaces in New York City have been sitting vacant pre-COVID. What are your thoughts on where that goes and how this impacts communities? Yeah, there's no question that the growing trend of technology and the fact that you don't have to go anywhere to shop. You can be in your living room any time of the day or night and get virtually anything that you want. That fundamentally has changed the game for retail. I have said for a long time now that shopping, it's not about when you go to a place like um, what people want to do now is go to places not necessarily for shopping, but for other things. And while they're there, they may shop or they Mm -hmm. may spend money. They may spend money on other kinds of things, but really it's about creating experience now. And I think what's happening is, and what will continue to happen is, is our cities are going to transform over time into creating more of those kinds of places. Chelsea Market in New York, I think you're there. Um, That's a good example. That location is filled with very small retailers with very unique products. And it's been created in a way that is authentic, that captures story, that brings expression and art and culture together in a place that is very compelling. It's the kind of place that people want to be in. And when they're there, they're actually not going to shop necessarily. They're going there to be in that place, to be immersed in that experience. But of course, while they're there, they're shopping as well. So the lines have become more blurred. And so what we see is is that it's really about this transition that needs to happen over time, about really thinking about shopping as more of creating an experience that people want to be in and that it needs to be a more integrated kind of experience where it's not just shopping, but it's also about social exchange. It's about art. It's about culture. uh, It's also about work. It's about all those things where you're creating an environment with blurred lines between work, home, and play. That's the the area that we're working on trying to understand and where Santana Row for us was really the beginning of that. It was, that was the first project that I was involved with that really helped me to understand the importance of that. Uh, Later, I understood it as a global trend. As we got into the international market, we started to realize this isn't unique to the United States. This so is you, also happening in China. Yeah, so you're working on projects in China, Russia, in the Middle East. How different are people in those markets? How different are their expectations? Is the world becoming even more flat and smaller where 
there are you know similarities between what consumers globally expect from their experience uh, both in retail office work and living the markets that we're working in we see a lot of the same things we see that technology and new millennials basically the young people are digital natives and they they kind of see the world differently and that's no different in china in fact in in my sense china in some ways is far more advanced when it comes to this kind of digital thinking than united states is so we see the same thing i think fundamentally what we see is is that that new relationship with technology is changing people's expectations of where and why they go places and so the challenge is to understand that to understand what is that changed expectation and where do people want to want to be we know so what what's the know, answer to that where what what is the home or what is the community of the future look like well what we tried to do was a couple of things first of all when we I finished with Santana Row. I knew we had something there that was really special. I didn't imagine that it would have the kind of impact that it has had on the overall market and also for me. But I realized it was something special. But I also knew that if I was going to continue to do that kind of work, it wasn't going to work if we just took that concept and duplicated it kind of like a recipe and that even became more profoundly understood when we decided to go international when then you also have to give strong consideration to cultural change differences people's perspectives so it forced us to think about this concept of whole living which is really creating an integrated environment based on experience creating a a place of experience and we tried to create a set of principles what we mm-hmm. realized when we looked at the kinds of places that we thought worldwide that had the kind of character that we thought was it is being embraced by this global trend we realized that there were some common principles there and so we've really tried to focus on those principles uh that's been helpful because those principles in some ways kind of transcend culture they're really more about human nature and what people are are looking for at a really basic level and so it's much more transferable when you take take the idea of building large integrated projects to china or to saudi arabia or to uh us or canada or, or vietnam and different places so we look at principles like creating story about authenticity about understanding connection and continuity of place of synergy of understanding that fundamentally people are social creating a walkable environments where people can be immersed in immersed in in those places creating a sense of diversity craft discovery density is very important creating distinctiveness in other words kind of unique to that place and creating mm-hmm. places that are inspiring all of those things we think are really important principles in every project we do 
what's your favorite community or urban environment that you've experienced? I'm happy to say there's quite a few. Um, I love Chelsea Market. I love what it's done. I, I, I like the story of Chelsea Market. If you look at how it started and yeah. how it helped to evolve not only that building, but the district, I think that that's pretty compelling. In uh, Shanghai, there's a project called Shenzhen D. It's a wonderful project. Um, it receives about 35 million people a year. Uh, it is now the go-to place for, for Shanghai, built on the kinds of principles that I've been talking about. The Pearl District has become that in, in Portland. Worth Avenue in Palm Beach, which was uh, obviously built a long time ago, has a wonderful character, uh, has a sense of discovery, is very walkable, has a lot of those kinds of features. La Rambla, Barcelona, Nanjing Road uh, in Shanghai, the Graves Lane in Melbourne. There, there are many, um, right. many places. You've traveled around the world. <laughs> Do you have a favorite building? I don't think of buildings as much as I think of places and the experience of those places. That's just kind of in my nature. I tend to think more in the size of districts. I think all of those places I've mentioned are, are kind of favorites of mine. I wouldn't say that I have any, any one favorite, but yeah, all of those have been really inspirational to me. When you go to a place and you feel uplifted, when you feel like you don't want to leave. I think uh, Jan Gill said from uh, Gill Architects, who's been around a long time, he said something like cities are like a party. You want to create an environment where people don't want to leave. That's, yeah, that's a when, great you go quote. To a, when you go to a place that gives you that feeling, then you know there's something special there. And so we've looked for those, looked for those places, and uh, they've been inspirations for us in thinking about um, our own work. Um, so, Well, yeah. you've, you've done an incredible job to date. Um, I look forward to seeing more of the communities you're going to bring to the rest of the world. You know, it's a huge responsibility. I'm sure your day is filled with calls with engineers, architects, designers, finance people. I'm sure you have a lot of plates in the air, juggling a lot of balls. Um, I can't imagine like like what that looks like. But... How do you manage all of this? Do you have a daily ritual that you follow? Well, we try to stay focused on what we need to from a day-to-day -day basis. That's definitely a challenge for us. We're a small company doing big things. Generally, what we try to do is stay focused on one or two projects at a time. Um, I think, you know, when we started the company, one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted it to be principle-focused, where the principles of the organization had their hands directly in the projects uh, that we were working on. And I think, um, you know, that's been good and bad. I think it's, it's limited the number of projects that we can do, but you know, it's a way we like to work. So we try to keep, keep the number of projects we're involved with um, fairly small. Right. Uh, so, what, so if you had a look back after your years of experience and all the places you've been and having built so many successful communities and having built a company and having been involved in this business for so long, would you look back and what advice would you give yourself? For me, throughout this whole thing, it was important to follow my passion 
and to have the courage to try new things. I think that's been very, very important for us. We've done a lot of pioneering, and I don't think we could have achieved that without having the, the courage to, to fail in a way. You know, getting up in the morning and packing your bags and taking off to a foreign country can sometimes be intimidating, and especially when you're trying to do big, big things. I mean, national level things. Um, that can be intimidating. And so, you know, just staying focused and not being worried about failure, I think, has been been a little bit of a, a code for, for me and moving forward. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's great advice. And, um, you know, I hope you continue to stay fearless and take big risks and innovate and continue to forge new neighborhoods, projects, and, and continue to do what you've been doing and pioneering new markets. Thank you so much for joining me. I think this was very insightful. Um, really looking forward to seeing what you're going to be working on. Well, thank you for having me on your program. I, I have really enjoyed uh, talking about uh, about our work. And um, yeah, I, I hope we uh, have an opportunity to continue this for years to come. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Anthony. And uh, have, a, have a great weekend. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. Thanks. Thanks.